it's me, Dr. Z with JB. Today, we discuss how to find a therapist that is a good fit for you. Finding a therapist can be a daunting task, especially if you don't know what to look for. In today's session, we give you some good questions to ask and what to look for when searching for a therapist. Welcome everybody to, uh, but what are we here? Session number 32. 32. 32, as uh, we are uh, trucking right along here. And if you don't know uh, me, I am the JB. Uh, she is uh, Dr. Z and it's uh, Dr. Z with JB. And always, as I'm going to start saying at the beginning of every session, what is my qualification uh, for being a part of uh, talking about anxiety You're and depression? You're awesome. I'm awesome. Yes, I am. Just like awesome sauce is awesome. Uh, and... Uh, I know that uh, I'm I'm just kind of part of the conversation. I'm right along with you. I, I have anxiety. I've had depression. Uh, and uh, I'd like to come at it from uh, your perspective and ask Dr. Z as much as we possibly can and try and go through as many subjects surrounding those things as, as possible. So I feel uh, like you ask the questions that everybody else wants to hear. Yes, hundred percent. Right. Yeah. Yes, that exactly. And uh, all, you're the voice always, of the people. For <laughs> the voice of the people, uh, we are simulcasting tonight. So uh, we're uh, not only we are on uh, Instagram, but we're also on Twitter, uh, all over the place. Facebook, if you're watching, we hello. Uh, feel free to comment, and I'm I'm happy to uh, get some questions into uh, Doctor Z as well. So thanks for uh, joining everybody. And tonight, uh, it's a it's a good one because. One, how the hell do we know if we're we're seeing a good therapist or psychologist in the first place? And uh, how do we seek those things out? How do we how do we go to the one hundred and one of finding uh, some some therapy here, Doctor Z? So let's uh, let's start there. How do we know what we're looking for in a in a therapist or psychologist? Yeah, so there's a lot of ways to go with this. Um, I'll divide it kind of into different groups. The first is if you've already been to therapy, you kind of know what to expect and what to look for. You know what worked for you and you know what didn't work for you. So for people that have been in therapy already, I always ask my new patients or my new coaching clients, like what has worked for you in the past? What did you like from prior experiences and what didn't work for you? And not just kind of therapy, but also the, the relationship. What what did you like? What didn't you like? Because I don't want to repeat things that that didn't work for you. And I think it, it gets them to kind of, you know, really focus on what it is exactly that they want. Why did they stop going to the other therapist? Or, you know, sometimes this and this isn't a bad thing. Sometimes you've been working with someone for a while and it's just you you just you get stuck and there's like nowhere else to go. And oftentimes it's either that you need a different type of therapy or you're good. You just maybe don't have confidence in the fact that you're good. Um, and I, I kind of, you know, for people that have already been in therapy, I kind of link it to like, not that they're children, but how you raise kids, like you raise your children to be able to let them go. Right. You get like right. all the parents in here. They're like, Bleh. but like you raise your kids <laughs> to let them go. And it's kind of the same with therapy. You, you, you work with your patients, you work with your clients to be able to prepare them to go therapy. You know, some people are in therapy forever and ever and ever. I don't, again, that's going to be based on your school. Go there. Come on. You, you wanted to go there. Right. I don't think that that is a good thing. Um, I think that what ends up happening with like, and I'm not talking about booster sessions where you maybe you check in with your therapist, like, once after you've been in therapy for a while and you're doing fine and I, sometimes I have people check in once every three months or once every six months or like around the holidays or something like that that's fine but if you're seeing a therapist every single day for years 
a couple things. One, you have to ask yourself why, because if it's just that you want someone to talk to, I don't, I don't, I don't a lot agree. Of people to talk to. I don't right? agree with that. And I also think you end up becoming unnecessarily dependent, or if you have that dependency style, that personality, you're kind of having that reinforced. Part of the reason why a lot of patients don't want to terminate therapy, even if they're ready to terminate therapy, is because they have that kind of attachment stuff going on or, you know, or connection. They still want to keep it. Maybe they're, they don't have a lot of people in their life. And I understand why, but it, it, it enables that, that thing you're trying to develop anyway. So it's kind of like it's enabling that. And listen, I have some patients where like it's I hate I hate discharging them, right? I I like adore working with them, but at the same time, I don't think I'd be doing my job if I also didn't, you know, do what I'm supposed to do. So, um I think one of the things to ask your therapist is is, you know, how do you how I don't like when people say, how long do you think I'll be in therapy? Because I'm always like, I have absolutely zero idea. <laughs> Something tragic could happen in two weeks. I, I don't, I have no idea. Like you, who knows? Um, mm -hmm. But I asked them, you know, how long, what's the average amount of time somebody's in therapy? You know, like that you can answer. Um, in the beginning, is there a, a frequency that you like, you should be able to kind of... Yeah probably increase at the beginning and maybe decrease as you go along? Yeah. So in the beginning, I always tell people I like to see them once a week to get the ball rolling, to get a sense of what's going on, who they are, what their goals are, um, how we can work together and just kind of get a good idea of, of kind of how best to tailor treatment to them. But that being said, if somebody comes to me and they're like, they're just kind of doing some life check-in type stuff, you know, or just kind of want to just get a different perspective on things and there's nothing acute going on. I'm fine if it's every couple weeks, but um, sometimes there's financial issues too. You know, sometimes people can't afford to come once a week and so they'll come every two weeks and I'd rather them come in than, than not, obviously, if they need help. So, but in a perfect world, once a week until, you know, maybe for a couple months until things start to feel like you're getting a hang of it. Um, and I always, this, here's the other thing. You want to make sure that your therapist that you go to or one that you're with, whatever the case may be, that you never feel stuck. I always tell people that I never want them to feel stuck, that they can't terminate therapy if they want to. So I always tell them that if you feel like you're stuck or I feel like we're stuck and we hit a plateau, bring it up, let's talk about it because I'd rather them bring it up than just not come in because they're too nervous. They don't want to disappoint me. They don't want me to be mad at them or whatever it is that, that comes up. Um, cause that comes up a lot. You know, I don't want you to be mad at me or which I would, you know, obviously would never be, but it's something to bring up because if they're that saying before. that to their therapist. Yeah. If they're saying that yeah. to me, I'm sure they say that to other people in their life unnecessarily. Oh, a hundred percent. And, uh, so. kind of where I want to ask uh, my next question is just, how how would you know if you need more of a therapist or a psychologist or you know those kind of differentiating factors is there anything that's how how did is it kind of just trial and error or is there so, specifics that you might be able to point out i think that uh this is a little question so i think that i'm, I'm great at that aren't you, I? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think that you i may have to plug these in because i heard that doot, 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 doot. All right. So think that when you are looking for somebody, 
Um, I think if you have a major clinical depression, I think if you have severe anxiety, um, I usually recommend that somebody see if it's like they're not functioning well, a psychiatrist and a psychologist, um, because they think that it's a little, and this is not for all non doctoral level. Like obviously this is, I'm just saying from my perspective, for me personally, um, because I think that it's a little bit more, a little bit more, I don't even know how to explain it, like clinically detailed, I guess. I don't, I don't know. Not that, not that somebody who's not a psychologist, I just, me personally, that's who I would go to if it, if it were me, um, and a psychiatrist, which we'll talk about the difference. The difference in general between a psychologist and a therapist not much, um, except for the, the amount of training and the type of training. So a psychologist goes through a doctoral program, which is about six, seven years. And there's a lot of um, like a collaboration between research, clinical stuff. Um, you know, we have practicums, internships, postdoctoral stuff. So it's a little bit more um, like clinically intense maybe um and more a little more research based um the difference is how you're trained from a therapeutic standpoint so we just it, it, our training's just longer um it's not that the training is different it's just longer but it depends on the type of program you go to so that's the other thing and i wouldn't necessarily expect people to know this but it, it depends on the program you went to. You could go to a program that trained you in psychodynamic therapy. And for people that don't know what that is, it won't make a difference. But Or you can go to a program like mine where I was trained in behavior therapy. So there's, there's a difference in terms of the type of training that you got also. So therapy will look different, right? Like mine's more acceptance and commitment based. And so it's very kind of forward moving behavioral stuff, um, like, you know, value driven, goal driven type therapy. Um, psychodynamic therapy is a little more kind of looking at your internal stuff and, you know, kind of a, more of a conceptual conceptualization and like working on past stuff Whereas I take all that stuff, but I use it to look for patterns and then moving forward with it. So it's just, they're different types. It's not that one's better or worse. There's some that I will say are research-based, are evidence-based treatments. I would recommend not seeing a therapist who does not practice evidence-based treatments. That I will give a, like a hard no to. Um, I'm sure there's people that will disagree with me on that, but you can't go against research. And so, you know, I wouldn't go to somebody unless they're doing evidence-based practices, which are things like EMDR for trauma or CBT, cognitive behavior therapy, behavior therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, um, all evidence-based research. Based and hope, hope it's not another loaded question, but is there some quote unquote, like, you know, junk therapy out there that you would? Oh yeah. Is there anything come to mind? <laughs> See, that's what I mean. Don't answer if it's going to get you in trouble. But that's a yes. I'm so good, just I'm be not very cautious. Yeah. I'm just going to say yes. There are, yeah. and and you know, I think that um, it's our responsibility as clinicians, no matter what your degree is, master's level, it doesn't matter, doctoral level, it doesn't matter. I think it's our responsibility, our ethical responsibility, to be informed of the clinical research that is out there. Period. My two is cents. there a good resource for that? Of to kind of keep updated and. 
in very John Barcher terms, actually? Yes. So there's <laughs> okay, a good. there's a website called psychologytoday.com. Okay. And I refer a lot of people to that. You can put in your zip code. You can put in um, the type of therapy you want, what your symptoms are, um, what type of treatment you know you want to you know you think you want to you know go for, um, and it's all on there. Now, here's my 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 one caution with that: if you see somebody who practices. So, and it says on there, psychodynamic therapy, cognitive behavior therapy, behavior therapy, acceptance and commitment therapy, eclectic, all of e- EMDR, everything, everything is on there. To me, that's right. a red flag because you can't be proficient and well-studied in all of those. Like I know about all of them because I had to learn them, but as far as practicing them, you can't practice all of them well. And for people that say, I use a different therapy, based on my client's needs, yes and no. Like you should be able to take your therapy approach that you use and tailor it to the person that you're working with. But I am I, not a fan of people that say they do 10 million types of, of therapy. There's just It's just not possible. Um, you could know about it, but you have to know what you don't know. And it's okay to not no, I mean, I've had people say, do you do EMDR? I get questions about that all the time. Do I know what it is? Could I do it? Yeah. Do I practice it? No. And it's not in my patient's best interest to come see me when I can do it, but I don't, right? There's, you just have to, And what, you know, what was that term again? E-D-E what? EMDR. It's EMDR. It's, what's it's that? What for, is that? It's for, um, I don't know. Again, I don't do it. I don't even want to begin to give you information on it, but it is for trauma processing and it has to do with kind of how you're, it's tracking your, your eye movement and how it is associated with certain parts of your brain that process trauma. And it's, I don't, yeah. Um, But, um, you know, there's biofeedback. There's a ton of really good therapies, um, but I caution people who are consumers of therapy to find somebody who does everything. And the same goes for what they say their specialties are, right? Like I, you know, if you have somebody that says that they're a specialist in family therapy, child, child therapy, um, play therapy, adult health psychology, neuropsychology, no, there's, it's impossible. It's truly impossible. Too many things. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and that's why, like, you know, one, one specific uh, specialist for one specific niche of whatever mm-hmm. you're kind of finding mm-hmm. along the way there. And now, here's but of- here's the thing, like, I, like if somebody asks me what I specialize in, I'm going to tell you a couple of things, like, right, depression, anxiety, narcissistic relationships. I work with patients with epilepsy and other neurological diseases, so I do like mm-hmm. I have different specialties, but. Outside of that, could I work with someone with OCD? Yes, I was trained in behavior therapy. Of course I can. Will I? Absolutely not. I'm going to refer to an OCD specialist, all right? Like eating disorders. Could I? Yes. Will I? No. Like, I just, I won't. Substance abuse, I won't. So I think that is probably one of the biggest red flags as far as what to look for. I think, and I, and I had said this to you before, above all else, you have to have a good rapport. You have to, I, like, I don't care if you're going to the number one OCD psychologist in, in the world. If you don't have a good rapport with them, it doesn't matter because then you're not going to feel comfortable. You're not going to feel motivated. Um, therapy's hard enough. 
right? It's scary enough. You don't want to go and feel uncomfortable. I mean, you're going to feel uncomfortable, but you don't want to be uncomfortable because of your therapist. Oh, yeah. And and that could create a lot of, uh, you know, re- kind of like reverse pressure for yeah. yourself, too, where it's just like, wait, this is the number one person in the world and I, I'm not getting anything out of them? That's right. You know, like that's, that's right. Exactly. Then you feel even mm-hmm. worse because you're mm-hmm. not, you know, you're not improving and you, quote, should be. So... Yeah, and and from a starting point again, I uh, when we were talking uh, just before we got, uh, you're kind of just push everybody to go to someone that does, uh, does general therapy for anxiety and depression, and just kind of start there. If right? you Until don't you get... know what your symptoms, like if you haven't mm-hmm. been in therapy before, you don't know what your diagnosis is. You just don't feel good, and you've just felt like shit for months, and you just can't get it together and you can't figure out what's wrong with you, yes, then I would suggest going to somebody who says that they specialize in anxiety and depression because chances are it falls into something in there. And if it doesn't, or if it's a really kind of like like a serious specialty, they'll refer you out. They should refer you out. Um, I think that that's probably your best bet. I think you you know, you know wanna ask yourself questions. Do I want male or female? Do I want younger, older, you know, middle-aged? Um, that kind of stuff. And how um, how many people should you see kind of at once to test the waters and to bounce? You know, th- should you go to three or four general anxiety and depression therapists or psychologists and just kind of get a, a you know a, a balancing point of of their opinions and kind of just trail on what you think? You know, best two out of three, I guess, or what they're telling you. So I I tell people to act like approach it as a consumer. Right, like you're not gonna buy a product, let's say that a really important product without doing your research on it, right? So I look at it like that. You you don't you know you're not. If, let's say you need like a really high end camera for whatever, but you have to do your research, right? So I feel like it's the same thing with therapists. You kind of want to do your research and you want to kind of. I'll use my tennis references. Ah, okay, yes. right. I saw I saw my tennis. Don't be John on here. So, right. Yes. She was my, my, my doubles friend today. So, um, like let's say with a tennis racket, right? You don't, you're not just going to go and buy one unless you've already used it and you want the same one. You're going to demo them. You're going to test them out, right? You're going to play with them a little bit, see which one works best for you. So it's like that you, you, you want to, when you call, right? Ask if they do free consults on the phone. A lot do not because not because they're mean, they don't have time. Um, you know, you'll speak to them for five, 10 minutes and, you know, to set up an appointment or something like that. And, you know, you can kind of get a, get a sense um, and you can tell them what your symptoms are and they'll tell you if that's something that they do or they don't do. But I would call, <laughs> I would call, um, I would, I like three. I think three is good. You don't want to overwhelm three. yourself. Like you're not going to try out like 10 tennis rackets, right? So you, you want to like probably pick three. Well, you might. I wouldn't though. That would that would that would make me too anxious. I, I work better with fewer options. Yeah, that's what's probably true um, for a lot of people. But also, everyone functions better with options. You don't want like ten options, but like everyone functions better with options. Even if you only use one of them, you know at least that you have choices, and it's very important to have choices. So I think that um, doing three and talking to them, I think, is is beneficial because you can come. It- you can kind of see how they are in relation to each other and that makes a ton of sense uh and if they're another thing we discussed along with that and and mainly i think this you you had brought it up with you know 
young adults, teenagers, et cetera, et cetera. But do you think it's important that all therapists or psychologists have an understanding of social media relationships and how that kind of works now, you know, across the board? Um, now I do. Yes, because yeah. I think it depends on the age of your client, obviously. But I think in today's society, if you are not familiar, you don't have to be on it. But if you are not familiar with the impact of social media on people's perceptions of themselves, on their insecurities, on how they view the world, then I, I think you're not going to be as effective. I, I really am taking that stance. And I know, again, I'm sure there's people that disagree with me. And they'll say, well, they should get off social media. That's not reality. I and mean, we need to work within this. It's not going anywhere. Um, and, you know, and I had told you the story. I see a bunch of college students. And this was, I don't know, a while ago, years ago. And, and this was when Snapchat, you could see who was talking to who the most. And so you had these situations oh. where, yeah, you'd have these situations <laughs> where people come in and, you know, their boyfriend's talking to this girl more than them and this friend's talking to this one and this one's posting pictures and they weren't invited. And like, we didn't have any of that. That would have tortured my soul. So I didn't know anything about Snapchat, but I didn't, I didn't want to say anything because like it was so, I couldn't say like, oh, it's Snapchat. What does it matter? it matters so much to them. That's their social life. And who am I to try to change their world to fit mine? No, I had to change mine to fit theirs. So I had our sitter like sit me down, make up an account so I could figure out how the hell to use Snapchat for the sole purpose of like educating myself on it because it's not going anywhere. Um, and I think that you don't have to, you know, do what I do. You don't have to, you know, I saw kids that that was an issue for but I really do think it's important to have an understanding of the impact of social media on people's lives 100% yes uh and man I hope we're all trying to <laughs> I, I feel the same way like I I mean for all of us it has some some type of value you know uh uh one way or another and I think that's true in uh, not only just romantic relationships, business relationships, you know, it can get really mm -hmm. weird for whatever reason of just like, Absolutely. how come you're not following this? Or how come you didn't like right. this post about that? You're like, whoa, it's just, That's it's right. a, who cares? But I'm, I, you know, yeah. It, it matters. It matters. <laughs> a lot of the it time. Does. So that's, no, that's a you good You have point. to know the lingo and you have to know, you just, you have, you just have to know enough to be able to help somebody or at least understand their, their, where they're coming from. And you had said, uh, like you're essentially when you're going through this process you're also interviewing uh, uh oh now this one's working oh it is see this one died now this one's working i give up <laughs> i don't even care <laughs> uh how should you go about kind of essentially interviewing you know uh, the therapists along the way or psychologists along the way mm -hmm. what are, what might be some good questions and some good answers to hear um i would ask them what they specialize in. I would ask them what type of therapy they do. Um, you can ask them approximately how many people they see a week. Um, do, if something happens and they need to refer out, like what, who, you know, do they have resources to be able to refer out? Um, I would ask them, you, you know, and I, I know I said this to you before, but I, I don't like the question, how long is this going to take, right? Because I have no idea, right? Things come up. I can't give you that. And I don't want to give you that. But an approximation, that's that's fine. And you can tell them, you know, that it may be more, it may be less for these reasons, but just kind of a general approximation because I think people just like to have this 
idea in their mind just to give them a little bit more control over the situation. Um, I would ask them specifically, have you worked with people, quote, like me, whatever that that means, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I would ask them how long they've been practicing for. You know, these are all valid questions. Um, I would ask them, you know, yeah, like what they're, not just what type of therapy they practice, but like, yeah, I won't even go into more detail because it doesn't matter. Okay. But yeah, yeah. Well, and, and with, uh, with that, did they like if they say six months, if they say a year and a half, if they say two years, is that an automatic? I think or if should some, you just kind of keep your expectations, you know. I, I would never, I would there? never say two years to somebody because mm-hmm. I would hope not. <laughs> um, <laughs> but. Um, I don't know. I would usually it's six six months to a year, but it could be two. It could be who knows. But I, I would probably say I usually say like within six months ish, you know, or a year. Sometimes they're so in so much pain that if they ask me that, I'll say as long as it takes, right? Like as long as it takes for you to feel better, because then you don't want them having this this number of if I'm not better by six months then I'm never going to get better. And they have this countdown in their mind. So you kind of want to assess that too, that if, if it's something that's not an acute situation, like a breakup, right, or mm-hmm. somebody passed away, um, then I would say as long as it takes, just for the sake of them not thinking that they're doing something wrong if they're not getting better in that time frame. And I apologize, Dr. Z. I was trying to ask if it was the therapist or psychologist that has been practicing for only six months or only two years or oh, anything like that. Yeah, yeah. Got it. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. <laughs> is there like so, a is there a limit where you would go? All right. Uh, I know this person's only been practicing for six months, but you know maybe that's a maybe the financially that's a better route to go because at least they'll give me a path to start and you know research from there on. So I mean, all right. So here's I'm gonna go non non psychology for a second. I actually personally prefer going to younger doctors. Interesting. I prefer, I mean, not, I don't mean like they're like, like one toenail out of like, you know, med right. school, but like, yeah, 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 yeah. but I actually prefer going to younger doctors because I find that they're, they tend to be like more, they're not burnt out. I mean, mm-hmm. the, you know, the field of medicine is like, it's just like burnout central. So like, I, I think that, I like going to younger doctors. I think they they're not as burnout. They're a little bit more like, you know, they still have hope. They still have like you know they're they're excited for the future. You know, yeah. um, but I just I just like I prefer going to younger doctors. Um, I think I think that. That, I like how we just told everybody there's no hope, by the there's way. There's no hope, no. Enjoy your 20s, <laughs> right, 20 to right, 35, right, right, you don't right, care about anything right, anymore. Right, exactly. Yeah. No, um, and, so, <laughs> and so I think it's a personal preference. Like, I have friends that would never in a million years go to a doctor that's, like, under 50, right? Like, never in a million years. I think it's truly personal preference. And I understand both sides. Like, if, if, I, if, if, if you need a specialist, it takes a long time to develop a specialty, when it comes to a specialist, I think I tend to go by by more years of experience, right? But other people may not because they think that the person coming out has like the most up-to-date research, like up-to-date, mm-hmm. you know, techniques or whatever. So it's, it's a preference. Um, for well, psychology, like you said, oh, yeah. I'm sorry, Dr. Z. I was going to say for therapy, I think that um, 
think it depends. I think it depends on what you're going for and who you connect with best. Some people connect with younger adults. Um, some people need that, you know, an older adult or somebody older than them because for whatever reason, they need like more of a mother figure or father figure. And that, and that's fine too. Yeah. Uh, and that, um, that, uh, that's a great point. Um, is there, I, I guess there is a, with, with that journey too, um, there always comes a point in time of like, well, is it me or is it them, you know, that I, that I don't like to hear sometimes. Like if you are, it, it, it that's just kind of either like denial or acceptance at that point. If, if you go to everybody and they're pretty much going like, yeah, I think you might have this issue or you're dealing with this issue and I would recommend doing this and you don't like the, you know, how many times do you not have to like the answer? I, I guess more or less is what I'm saying of what that person's telling you. As the patient? Yes. So if you're going to a handful of therapists and all of them are telling you the same thing, but you don't want to accept that, then the chance of you having the awareness to say, hmm, maybe it's me, is probably not very high. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Um, and that's not a hard, fast rule. It may just be that it's like so unbelievable to you that you just receive this diagnosis from four different people and like you need to process that a little bit. Mm -hmm. I get that's different. But if you keep going and you're still not satisfied or it's you don't agree with it, but you're going to people that have been trained in this and you're going to specialists, then I think your awareness is probably not super high to begin with. So mm -hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't expect them to all of a sudden like a light bulb go off and say, oh, yes, it's me. And I know a lot of people do get um, discouraged during this process too. Yeah. What's a What's a good way? Is it simply just kind of like taking a break when you need to? Of just like, all right, I still haven't found what I've needed here, and we'll just we'll, we'll take a little break. We'll come back to yeah. it, and we'll we'll try and find an answer here. You know. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of variables with that. Right now, we're like approaching like a massive mental health crisis. So yeah. um, there's every therapists, psychologists are so overwhelmed, so busy that it's hard to get in. And that's frustrating, right? And a lot of psychologists, therapists do not take insurance for their reasons because insurance for both the patient and, you know, as a patient and a doctor, I can tell you it's crappy both ways. Mm -hmm. um, so there's a lot of variables at play when people can't find somebody. Um, so, but from a fit standpoint, all other things aside, yes, you, I think, unless you, you, listen, unless you are severely depressed, like you can't go to work, you can't think straight, or you're so anxious, you're not leaving your house and it's interfering with your daily functioning, just get in, get in, get help, get connected to somebody who can assess your symptoms, give you some basic strategies to use, and you can still look for somebody else. But I wouldn't wait if you are severely depressed or you're super anxious or really scared because you've never felt like this before, get in and then you'll you'll deal with that later. I think if it's not an acute situation and you're having like relationship issues and you want to make sure you find the right person, but it's not interfering with your functioning, wait and find somebody, you know, but if you're still after a long time not clicking, I think you kind of sometimes want to take a step back and reevaluate exactly what it is you're looking for and if it's realistic. Because you're not going to have all the boxes checked. You're just you're just not. It's like and it's like it's like dating, buying a house. Like you're, all the boxes are not going to be checked. If they are great, you lucked out. 
but the chances of all the boxes being checked. So you have to kind of assess what's most important to you and what what criteria you can let go of if you're having trouble finding someone. That's a, a great advice. Fantastic advice. And um, yeah, and I think if you kind of just follow exactly what Dr. Z said over kind of the last half hour, you're going to find great results overall. Um, and if you're still kind of looking for uh, someone that might, you know, feel like it fits for you. I mean, if this has helped you in any way, like it has me, and it does pretty much every week that we do this, um, Dr. Z has, you know, uh, it, it does have uh, appointments open at uh, Dr. Z, or excuse me, drjamiezuckerman.com. Uh, obviously, you can uh, follow along uh, here on Instagram, on YouTube, on all these other different platforms that we're finally getting into and trying as well. Um, uh, anything- I'm very proud of us for actually doing it. Me too. Yeah. Like we had uh, my my uh, good partner, Vince Quinn, at the Dr. Z's house installing some new equipment yes, and things did. like that. So yes, did a fantastic did. job. And uh, I, uh, I I do want to say this, Dr. Z, because like I, I want to tell everybody, but the, the even when you're going through the steps of you found someone that you really like, you know, like the ups and downs of what we're all dealing with and doctors you nailed it on the head like it is a massive mental health crisis it is and it's and it's only yeah. going to continue to feel like it's going to steamroll here um and it's one of the big reasons why you know we, we had started this podcast in the beginning and I, i'm just going to be as you know i always said i'm going to be as try as be as transparent as possible just because i think we're all experiencing experiencing all this stuff too so even in trying to prepare to get the show ready like Oh my gosh! Like if we have we have been trying to to so get I, everything just right and just yeah. perfect and all this other stuff yeah. and that's you know big on our plates and there's a lot of success up and down just from uh, what we do here in both of our lives and our careers and all that stuff and man like this stuff I I, I totally understand how this could feel crippling at some points because I probably yes. yeah I, I have had some of the highest highs and some of the lowest fucking lows. Yep over the last two weeks and it is a roller coaster ride. My plate mm -hmm. always feels full, mm -hmm. you know, like it's constantly reevaluating what we value and like how much time we actually want to dedicate to this little stupid thing or this big thing or That's whatever right. it is and trying to push all that up. And I know we're all going through, you know, people are dying in our lives. People are about to die in our lives. People are having, strokes people are having heart attacks people are doing all these things that's happening at a blink of an eye when you're going like this is a great day and then all of a sudden two hours later it's not a great day anymore right you know and that is exactly kind of what dr z has been saying at least to us over the past few sessions here is this is this is how that roller coaster ride goes because right. we're going to have anxiety about almost everything in our yeah. life and that can and be and it's not about, story. yeah, it's not about making the roller coaster ride non-existent. It's about making the highs and lows not so extreme because mm -hmm. of how you respond to the lows, right? Like mm -hmm. being more, ex I'm saying this is a very generalized statement. This is what I work with people on, but being more accepting of how you feel during the lows and not acting on them to get rid of it makes the lows not as low and makes mm -hmm. the highs not as high. So it's, it, it's, it's not about, this is life. There's absolutely nothing we can do. And sometimes it's here and sometimes it's here, 
we can't change that, but we can change our response to it, right? So even though life goes like this, we can kind of still go like this. We can't always be here. That's not possible, right? We're not, we can't just be one emotion all the time. We can't always be happy. We don't even, and we talked about this, we don't even know what happy means, right? Um, we, we, but we also can't stay one emotion always. That goes for happiness and sadness. And as human beings, we are wired to adapt and survive. We are not wired to be chronically happy. Mm-hmm. And people need to remember that, that, that we are not wired that way. And we can try our entire lives until the day we die to maintain happy all the time. And that's not a functional life. A functional life is being able to tolerate the discomfort of shitty things happening to you and sitting with that and letting them pass rather than constantly trying to find this happiness in in situations that sometimes just don't allow for that. You know, it's mm-hmm. you know, it's easier said than done. I can sit here and say it to you, but it's it's really difficult to do. And so um I think it's like this just general misconception that we have in society that we have to always be happy and make the I was I'll say this before and then I'll shut up, but I was watching, I was watching something. I was watching last night. Um, I don't, I couldn't, I I can't sleep. Imagine that. And I was up at like two in the morning watching Dateline or 2020 reruns of, you know, my, my, my crime documentary stuff. Where'd you go, Barchard? Oh my goodness. Oh my God. John Barchard disappeared. Hang on. We were so close. Hold on. Okay. I'm on a one sleep. Where'd you go? <laughs> that was amazing. <laughs> Where'd you go? I, I just said, God I don't know, damn. Zuckerberg decided to zip me. That was weird. Okay. Maybe it was my 2020 dateline. Okay. So <laughs> anyway, I'm watching and it was about this tragic, tra- I don't know if you guys remember this, this tragic mall shooting in Nairobi, I think it was. Mm. Oh my God, it was absolutely traumatizing for like hours. People were being killed. It was uh, kids. It was, oh my God, it was horrible. It was so hard to watch. And at the end, this parent, and listen, I was not in this situation, so who the hell knows what I would be saying, but she said like, you know, I'm trying to get them to see the, something positive come from this. And I'm like, what? Like, and then I, so, you know, again, people are going to disagree with me on this. And this is, if I was looking for a therapist, this is something that I would ask to have something horribly traumatic if they work with trauma, let's say. And the goal is to feel positively about it. I can't, I, I I just feel like that kind of sets you up because like it's, it's, it invalidates your experience. Like, no, there's nothing positive what happened to you. It was absolutely fucking terrible. Now that we know it was fucking terrible, let's figure out a way for you to learn to live with that so that your response to it isn't always like soul crushing, right? And learn to live with it rather than trying to get to this place where you can find something positive from this traumatizing experience. Now, maybe something positive comes out in terms of like, you you now help other people, right? Or you now volunteer to do something. And that I think is something positive to come from it. But those are behaviors. Emotionally, to just switch it to positive puts a lot of pressure on, on especially on a, someone who's experienced trauma. I don't think there's anything wrong with accepting a traumatic situation as exactly what it is, traumatic. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I think 
it validates their experiences. And I think that you, if that's something how you feel, I think that's, again, something to look for in a therapist is kind of like, is the goal for you to feel happy? Is it for you to function better? Like there's, I don't expect people to ask those specific questions, right? But I think for people that have been in therapy for a while, that feel like all they do is they go in and they talk. And they end up going in and talking about their week, right? And they talk about their families and they go in this circle all and on and on and on like this, right? I think that that's good for certain things, but I also think that it's, it's, um, there's no forward movement. And I, I think I, sometimes I'll get I'll, actually I'll, I'll get people that say like I know I've been in therapy I know why I do what I do I know where it comes from now what how do I change it how do I move forward so that's the piece where I come in so you know sometimes people will go to someone else then come to me or you know whatever the case may be I think it's very different based on what you're coming with and what your expectations are um, my two cents that's like my yeah. I think my biggest thing. So. I, I I think that's a, a a perfect way to wrap up the episode too, because that's yeah, there is no definition of how you should be feeling or exactly like there there shouldn't be a, a huge like well I've got to make a positive experience out of this really awful thing that just right. you know right. went through my life and right. uh, just have your own expectations, keep constantly checking in with others, and definitely get other uh, yeah. opinions that. Uh, you know, from the therapist and or psychology side, because, you know, listening to your <laughs> listening to your friends with it, with those opinions, I mean, it sometimes helps uh, every now and again, but I'm sure they're not even uh, uh, they're not not even, uh, you know, trying to push you in, a, in the right direction uh, a lot of the time uh, for exactly what you need there. So, uh, Dr. Z, we appreciate it as always. Uh, you can follow uh, Dr. Z here on uh, Instagram at Dr. Z underscore psychologist, of course, uh, Dr. Z Psychologist on Twitter as well. I'm John Barchard, at John Barchard on Twitter and Instagram too. I keep my DMs open, so if you ever have any other questions on uh, this session or any of the others that we had talked about, uh, we uh, would love to uh, hear from you. And uh, we appreciate everyone tuning in, whether it's uh, here on the live or on the podcast, and love uh, all your questions and comments tonight. So appreciate it as, uh, as always. And Dr. Z, we'll see you next Monday. I'll be here. So, yeah. <laughs> 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 I hope so. Otherwise, it'll be a really <laughs> weird show. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, everybody. We'll see you soon. Uh, bye bye. Okay, bye.